What's up, everybody? This is Fred Ricciani of TSC News here to go back a trip down memory lane deep into the WWE archives to review all the Elimination Chamber pay-per-views. I figured with Elimination Chamber 17 right around the corner, why not review all the past Elimination Chamber pay-per-views from 2010 and so on. So let's start with this one right here, Elimination Chamber 2010, Scott Trade Center, St. Louis, Missouri, Randy Orton's hometown. This took place on February 21st, 2010, and we had not one, but two Elimination Chamber matches and a couple title changes. We had Sheamus going into this Chamber match in the opener. That's right, the opener as the WWE champion. Sometimes these specialty pay-per-views like Elimination Chamber and Hell in a Cell are, are wacky. I remember one time I went to Hell in a Cell, I think it was 2008 or 2009, and the opener was CM Punk versus Undertaker in a Hell in a Cell match. Weird. Anyway, we had Sheamus going into this as WWE champion. He was a horribly booked WWE champion. For those wondering why it's so hard to take Sheamus seriously these days, besides the fact that, frankly, he never had that it factor like a Cena or a Triple H or any of those guys, well... You go back to 2010. Late 2009, he upset John Cena with a fluke victory, a tables match at TLC 2009, December 2009, to win his first WWE Championship. I figured, wow, this is a dawning of a new era. They put over a new guy. This is great. I mean, they had built him up very well. He put Mark Cuban through a table. He retired Jamie Noble. I mean, he had some momentum. And then we quickly realized that he was booked to be subservient to the gods that were John Cena, Randy Orton, and Triple H. He got his ass handed to him at Royal Rumble 2010, where I believe he won via DQ against Randy Orton, but proceeded to be RKO'd on a table and not get his hand raised. I think the only... I'm not, I'm not even sure who, who who he beat to successfully defend the title cleanly. I think it was against like Zack Ryder. Or some, it was some geek, or like Shannon Moore, or some guy like that, but... Other than that, I mean, Sheamus had no real successful title defenses, not counting house shows, of course. So going into this, he's a geek champion. It's the Elimination Chamber. You expect Sheamus to at least look strong, and instead he didn't even make it to the final two. Again, and people wonder why you can't take Sheamus seriously in 2017. You could go back to 2010. A lot of the fans have been watching for a long time. They don't forget. First impressions are everything. For every guy like Daniel Bryan, who's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, who can overcome being booked like a geek at first early in his WWE career, there are guys like Sheamus, who are damn good in the ring, but for whatever reason, can't overcome it despite being good in the ring. If you lack it, if you lack what John Cena has, what Triple H has, what Daniel Bryan has, well, it's going to be a lot tougher for you. It's not impossible, but it's going to be a lot tougher, and man, oh man. This title run, while it was a nice accomplishment, while I'm sure he got paid a lot of money, did him no favors. So Sheamus came into this defending the title against Triple H, Randy Orton, Ted DiBiase Jr., John Cena, and Kofi Kingston. This was one hell of a match, and the eliminations were as follows. We had Ted DiBiase defeating Randy Orton, which set up Randy Orton versus Ted DiBiase versus Cody Rhodes in a triple threat match at WrestleMania 26 which Randy Orton dominated and beat both guys. Both guys, that being Ted and Cody, never sniffed the main events ever again after that, which was quite unfortunate. Ted DiBiase, in fact, a few years later retired because they weren't doing anything with him. Now, both guys weren't exactly, you know, Daniel Bryan level or CM Punk level or 
anything like that, but I, I think they had some potential. As far as Ted DiBiase goes, he's a guy that worked really hard. Seems like a nice guy in real life, but for whatever reason, it just didn't click. And even when he was starting to sort of click with the fans doing the DiBiase posse years later, they just chose not to do anything with him, which is quite unfortunate. But then again, they did the same thing with Zack Ryder for a while. Zack Ryder, a year later, with the Z Trywood story or whatever the hell it was called, Long Island IZ, he got himself over. They gave him a little push and then just kind of threw him out. We also had another elimination. The second one was Ted DiBiase being eliminated by Kofi Kingston. We had Sheamus then eliminate Kofi Kingston. We had Triple H eliminate Sheamus, guaranteeing there'd be a new WWE champion with the final two being Triple H and John Cena. And John Cena ended up beating Triple H, submitting him with the STF. Awesome match. But then Vince McMahon, who at the time was pissed off with John Cena, said, John, your night's not over. And it brought back flashbacks of four years ago, four years and one month ago from that date. The time when Edge, after the Elimination Chamber at New Year's Revolution in 2006, decided to cash in his money in the bank, Vince McMahon introduced him, and boom, the rest was history. John Cena lost. There was no money in the bank here. It was just Vince McMahon feeling like messing with John Cena. So he booked Batista versus John Cena, and Batista, in a minute, pinned John Cena to win the WWE Championship, leading to a great match at WrestleMania 26, which Cena won, and Cena ended up beating Batista at three straight pay-per-views, retiring him for a few years until he came back in 2014. Man, I miss Seal Batista. He was great. If only they had turned him heel sooner in his career. Man, he he, he would have been tremendous, but he, he did some great work in this feud with John Cena, and he wore some amazing outfits. I strongly suggest going back, if you're going to watch some of these older pay-per-views or older Raws from 2010, check out Dave Batista's stuff. It's it's tremendous. He is a great heel character. We also had Drew McIntyre retain the Intercontinental Championship against Kane. For those that don't know Drew McIntyre is, Drew Galloway. He is the wrestler who started out being called the Chosen One in WWE. He got a huge push. Vince McMahon called him a future world champion. And he just kind of faltered. He didn't get over initially. He's a guy who had some conflicts outside of the ring. He dated Taryn Terrell at the time, ECW's Tiffany. They had a skirmish in a hotel room. Drew McIntyre apparently called the cops on her. They later divorced, and that kind of put a stink on him for, for the rest of his WWE career, which is very unfortunate because he got a lot better in the ring over time, but by that point, they'd given up on him. and Quite a shame, but Ever since he was released a couple years ago, he's done very well for himself on the Indies and in TNA. I would like to see him back in WWE. I do think he has unfinished business, but that remains to be seen. Although at the time, this was a happy time for Drew Galloway as he retained the IC title, albeit not in a very good match, so you should probably skip this. We had Michelle McCool and Layla, Lay Cool, defeat Maurice and Gail Kim in a tag team match. This sucked. You can skip it. Maurice attacked Gail Kim afterwards. We had The Miz successfully defend his U.S. title while being the tag team champion with The Big Show, when at the time they were Show Miz. They defeated, well, technically it was The Miz, but Big Show helped him. Defeated MVP, who was accompanied by Mark Henry. Not that good of a, I mean, it was a decent match, but nothing spectacular. Uh, the only notable thing was Big Show knocked out MVP, helping Miz win, and Miz got busted open at some point in the match. 
And then we had the main event, the second elimination chamber match of the night. This was a great match. This was The Undertaker as the world champion going into it, defending his title in the Elimination Chamber against Jericho, John Morrison, R-Truth, and CM Punk, as well as Rey Mysterio. Great, great match. The eliminations were as follows. CM Punk pinned R-Truth with the GTS. Rey Mysterio then pinned CM Punk, which set up their WrestleMania match, WrestleMania 26. And just a sidebar, Rey Mysterio and CM Punk, promo-wise, was a great feud. Match-wise, I think they had like two pay-per-view matches that were incredibly disappointing because of the fact that I think they were each maybe 10 minutes, maybe less. I mean, man, oh man, I would have loved to have seen a 20-minute match with Rey Mysterio and, and CM Punk, a big main event, but unfortunately, they were just kind of a mid-card feud, which is not that great. Although, it did lead to CM Punk getting his head shaved, and that was kind of entertaining. We had John Morrison pin Rey Mysterio. We had The Undertaker pin John Morrison. And then we had Chris Jericho pin The Undertaker. But wait! You might be asking yourself, Chris Jericho just beat The Undertaker clean? Oh, no, no, no. This was brilliant. You see, the year before, 2009, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels WrestleMania 25. Maybe the greatest match I've ever seen in my life. Definitely my favorite match of all time. Undertaker beats Shawn Michaels in a classic. A classic. At the Slammies in December 2009 on Raw, Shawn Michaels says, Undertaker, I'm challenging you to WrestleMania again. Undertaker does not accept the challenge. So what happens? Shawn Michaels goes crazy in storyline, ends up just quitting, leaving Raw. I think he even super kicked Carlito, of all people, backstage. We hadn't seen him for weeks. He comes out from underneath the chamber. They have like the, the steel mesh floor like outside the ring. Comes out, gives Undertaker a sweet chin music, allows his arch rival, the son of a bitch he hates the most, Chris Jericho, a guy who he feuded with all of 2008. Brilliant feud if you guys have never seen it. Go back and watch on the network. And storyline is most hated rival besides Bret Hart. He allows Chris Jericho to pin The Undertaker to win the World Heavyweight Championship. Shawn Michaels wanted a rematch, wanted another crack at The Undertaker so badly that he not only cost him the world title, he cost him the world title at the expense of allowing his most hated rival to win the gold. If that's not a great storyline, if that's not a great angle, I don't know what the hell is. And that led to Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels in the main event of WrestleMania 26. Career versus Streak. Undertaker at the time was still undefeated at WrestleMania. And it led to Undertaker pinning Shawn Michaels clean and Shawn Michaels walking out of Arizona as a retired man and one of the greatest superstars of all time. Can you tell I love that angle? I, I, I loved it. I love that feud. It was brilliant. I wish Shawn Michaels was still wrestling today, but you know what? He knew when to walk away, and man, oh, man. That was, if you want some great storytelling, if you want some truly great storytelling, watch Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 25, and then watch all the angles and events, promos, leading up to WrestleMania 26, as well as their match at WrestleMania 26. Just um, beautiful. Beautiful. That... That is when pro wrestling is art. So overall, if you've never seen this pay-per-view or you feel like going into the archives, taking a nice trip down memory lane, 
I would give Elimination Chamber 2010 a massive thumbs up and a massive recommendation to go back into WWE Network and watch it. Relive some history. We had two title changes. We had two tremendous Elimination Chamber matches. A few forgettable matches too, but it's just interesting to go back and look at. I mean, let's skim through this card real quick before we go. By the way, fun fact, the dark match on this show was Christian defeating Ezekiel Jackson. All right. I mean, it's just crazy to think. I mean, how far Sheamus fell, you know, being WWE champion. Uh, Triple H, he, he looks in better shape now than he did back then, crazy enough. It's crazy to see Ted DiBiase is out of the business. It's crazy to see Kofi Kingston got a little push at the end of 2009, early 2010, only to falter and later revitalize his career with the New Day. I mean, Randy Orton's still going strong. John Cena's still going strong. Batista's now retired or semi-retired, kicking ass in Hollywood. Michelle McCool later retired, now the mother of The Undertaker's children and living a happily married life. Layla's retired and married. Gail Kim's in TNA and been in TNA for years, killing it. Maurice left WWE shortly after and ended up coming back now with The Miz, and she's doing tremendous work. She's also on Total Divas. But look at Miz. I mean, Miz had so much momentum. A year later, he'd be headlining WrestleMania. He fell off for a few years, and now he's kind of back on track. Big Show is Miz's tag team partner. That was crazy. MVP, semi-retired. Mark Henry, semi-retired now. Uh, Jericho, amazingly enough, in 2017, at the time of recording this, still going strong. Undertaker, semi-retired. John Morrison, now Johnny Mundo and Lucha Underground. However long that promotion is going to continue to last. R-Truth, not sniffing the main events. CM Punk, who could have seen that coming? You know, going into UFC and all that jazz. And Yeah, Rey Mysterio. Left WWE a few years later. Now at Lucha Underground. Hopefully he'll return down the road. But folks, I want to hear from you. What do you think about this retro review? What do you think about Elimination Chamber 2010? Let me know. Leave a comment below. Tweet us. Facebook us. Do what you got to do. If you enjoyed this retro review, please like, share, take care. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, enjoy the matches.